This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, it was the same the whole game, but I think you know, our fans picked us up different parts of the game, gave us, gave us energy, so it was awesome. Goudreau out in front, Lindholm shoots, save Ottinger! The rebound to Goudreau, he shoots, and scores! It's over! Johnny Goudreau wins it in overtime! Joel Otto, Martin Jelena, Johnny Goudreau. Game 7, overtime winners for the Calgary Flames in franchise history. That one off the stick of Goudreau and in. 3-2 Flames defeat the Dallas Stars and move on to round 2 in Game 7. Shot 67 on the Dallas net. Final shots on goal, 67-28. That the series, in a way, needed 7. That this game needed overtime is... All credit to Jake Ottinger in the Dallas net. He was brilliant, but that's enough. Quite honestly, good luck to to, to Jake. I, I have a great career. We'll watch. For now, it's been a tough. You've made the last two weeks uh, really, really tough on a lot of people. So you go uh, do what you do. Have a good summer. Get a boat. Whatever you want to do, go and boat. What are you doing? Just go enjoy yourself. But uh, happy that we've seen the last of him for at least a little while. Corey Sarch joins us here. As we kick off hour two, you heard the goal. You were there. You said during the break, different experience as a fan than as a player. But I guess if you can, maybe you want, I don't, you don't need to start there. But take us through your game seven experience at the Dome last night. Oh, she was a pretty wild one. Yeah. It was, uh, we got there early. Don't usually go that early unless I'm working and maybe on the on the TV or yeah, yeah. unless when you're playing. But getting your, make, one, getting your makeup on. This one just seemed you need to be there early. So beat the traffic. It was a nice drive in. Sat around. Saw a new part of the saddle dome that I'd never seen before. Oh, so you're really early. You know those stairs that say King's Club on them and go up there? There's yeah. a bar up there. I know yeah, there is. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you don't get to do that as a player, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I had no about. idea how blind am I to that. But anyways, started off there, uh, got into the stands, a little bit of a rough go off the start. People, people were quiet. People were nervous after that first goal went in by Ben. Oh, 40 seconds oh, in, you mean? Wow. Yeah. That one? That was, that was a little bit of a, yeah, yeah, a little bit of a downer, but <laughs> I don't know. A little bit of a downer. I, Backland Freight Trains. Raffle in the corner, you're like, oh, here we go. Crowd is electric. And it's as though somebody unplugged the cord. Zap. Yep. And that wasn't the first time it was going to happen. That was, a per- that was a pretty good game. It had every type of emotion, but loved Backlund's hit early. Wish we could have seen a couple more of those during the game, but we talked about it. There wasn't a lot of stuff after the whistles. This was a game that both teams knew the stakes. And it was played with between the whistles, but it was just like a scrap for every inch out there. Crowd was into it. It's just such a different experience sitting in the stands. You have absolutely no control. And I'm way more nervous sitting in the stands than I've ever been like out on the ice. Out on the ice was a piece of cake. This stuff sitting there and like 
cheering and rooting for a team. It's the worst, hey? Isn't it awful? Just yeah. twisting you into knots. It's it's not it's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you but, know that pit in my stomach? When does that leave? No, no, that's with you until the series is over. What? Yeah, a couple weeks. Jeez. Yeah, don't worry about it. I just kept saying all game. The guys got off to a great start. They started to pile up the shots. They started to I was really impressed with their cycles early again. And I know I talked about this a lot during this series. But they went about their business the right way. There wasn't a lot of panic in their game as far as... And there could have been panic after that first goal. But they just went back to the well and they started to grind this team again. But there was one point in the second period, I'm sitting there and I'm looking up at the shot clock and they're approaching 30 and I'm like, they got to get to at least 35 this period. They got to get there and they're going to get to this guy because law of averages, you get that many shots like they did in the game in Dallas you're going to win the game. And I was impressed. I think I think they might have been at 41 or 42 after after the second period and I'm like it's they're going to get them. They're going to get them eventually, but you had to have some patience in that game. That was at 43, I think after after two. You know, I was thinking about you cuz there was the I think it was in the third period. And I'm at home watching and there was the shot of Ottinger lifting his mask and taking the drink of water. And he had that look like you had said in whatever it was, game four or five, whatever, just lose track. He looks exhausted. Like this guy looks like he is out of gas. And I thought of you saying that, and I remember how that went. Well, no, he actually was. And again, for the amount of shots that he saw, the amount of work that he had, he had to have been exhausted. And he did look gassed. But then in the next shift or two, it's like, no, he's just fine, I guess. Unbelievable. Now, you've played with some amazing goaltenders. You ever seen anything like that? Not on a one night and then back to normal basis. He was outstanding for seven games. And you go back and look at the pucks that beat him. What did he? How many goals did he let in? 13, 12? Like all of them had to be nearly perfect shots to beat him. Yeah, there were, there were, there were no, there were no flukes on this guy. And I don't know if I've ever seen or played with like start to finish that that good of a goaltending performance. And for such a young guy to not have a down game, to not have even like, you know, like one or two stinkers in a game. No. Like there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And back to your comment, Boomer, about him going for drinks of water. I'm sitting right there. Like I'm staring right at this guy. Yeah. First period shots are 13 to two for the flames. He comes over to the bench, takes off his mask. I'm like, he's gassed already. I'm like, they're going to get him. No, then I see him in the second period. Same thing. I'm like, he's red in the face. This guy is just leaking. He's Furnace a, he's, face. He's a big know, goalie. Yeah. I'm like, he, he can't keep doing this. Nope, keeps doing it. Third period. Oh, they got him now. They're, they're going to get to him. And it took all the way to overtime. And that was maybe the most fortuitous bounce for the Flames that they had all series. Like, when did a puck, some type of rebound, come right to a guy that had a Great A chance. There was one a little earlier in the game that was a, a weak backhand, and Ottinger makes an easy glove hand save on it. But that was really probably one of the only ones I can remember in that whole whole series. Yeah. Backland on the power play, I think it was a couple of games ago, hits something and then sort of flops its way in. But other than that, there was not much in the way of puck luck for Calgary. Yeah, there were some, some good chances, obviously. I, I know Manjapani had the shot in front off the feed from Backland, but as far as a bounce that either went off of a block or off of a rebound, there weren't many. And we talked about it off the air as well, that for for a while, you forget how long Gaudreau's been here and how long he's been doing the things that he does. 
but that short side shot from along the goal line. Now, if you watch where he shot it, from, it wasn't quite as deep. Sometimes he'll be right on the goal line mm-hmm. and will try and go up over the goalie's right shoulder. And you're like, oh, just, just take it below the net. Try and make a play. You're, you're just wait. You're wasting possession there. You're just turning the puck over. And that finally, not not finally, he has scored on it. I think but he's won us be, over over the years. In the beginning, you're like, why does he keep trying these? But then you'll see he'll sneak three or four of those in a year. And I think it was either Ball or Millen or somebody said on the broadcast afterwards, not that Ottinger's supposed to know, but if you were watching for the first time, Gaudreau, oh, it's kind of a fortunate shot. It's a lucky shot. He's been doing that one or similar similar to it for a number of years. It doesn't, yeah, you can find more that match that for sure. Now, the puck was rolling, so I don't know if he's, if, like, how much that affects it, but he puts it the only place you'd want to put it from there. And even the Hannafin rebound, what, two, three shifts earlier or two, three minutes yeah. earlier, mm-hmm. it comes out and, of course, it hits the stick, so he's kind of going. There's another it. bounce against you. Know you know what right? I mean? It's, yeah. it's a bounce, but so it's he's not. He's got to now go back to regroup on his forehand after getting it. <laughs> so even when the goalie loses his stick, it was a fortuitous thing because it hits the stick and gives him just that extra half a second yeah. for Hannafin mm-hmm. to have to double clutch and bring it back. But I don't know if Hannafin even gets that chance if the stick isn't there. Does it? It does it too quick? Does it fly too Maybe. far away and he can't corral it? So. I thought it was going to be right wheelhouse, but again, like it's. The point being, they didn't get a bounce around the Dallas net, and Ottinger didn't make any mistakes. So you needed sixty-seven shots to get a third goal. To, to and back back to the goaltender to Ottinger. Well, you look at the other scoring chances in the goals last night. He almost forced the Calgary Flames to shoot at specific spots because you can't beat this guy. You can't beat this guy low. Uh, slot chance. He makes an amazing that leg blocker save. save off Gaudreau in the slot. Honestly, like I and I am I negative, Nelly. I absolutely am. But there were so many unbelievable chances through the series and last night. How many? Gaudreau could have had three. Kachuk, Kachuk hit crossbar trying to go short side shelf, and then he scores short side shelf. Yeah, and Gaudreau scores up there. Like Mm -hmm. they they literally had to put the puck up there, right by his ears, by his shoulders, to beat this guy because anything low. Nothing. They couldn't create lateral chances, which is the hardest thing for a goalie to stop. Like, hey, I'm on the right dot. I'm going to pass to you on the back door. And that's credit to Dallas's defending. Yeah, they, they, they just gave, didn't allow it. They gave nothing in the slot. And, and that that was sort of what Woodley said was the only way you're going to exploit Ottinger is make him move left to right. He's not great in that lateral movement and turning while you do that. And they never really could exploit that. So what it became was if he was going to see it clean, he was going to stop it, and eventually the Flames talked about what you talked about, Corey, after games one and two, which is don't settle for those. Keep working. Keep cycling. Wear them down. Create a higher quality chance. Wait for traffic. And they did that and made life more difficult. He was phenomenal, though. He was. He's, he, there's no one that was better in round one than Jake Ottinger, and I just, I'm welcoming anyone in the East to offer sheet him, please. Let's I go. Yeah, I see what Let's go, doing. please. The, the one you talk about laterally, East to West, Gaudreau to Kachuk last night, and Kachuk misses the net. But I think even even still, with as quickly as he got it away, if that's on net, I still think Ottinger's there. I still think he got over. It's not like it's a wide open net, like, right? I, Who I, knows? It's down to like, where's the arm? Where's the puck? Yeah, Who knows? Right? I printed off the game sheets just to kind of go back over it. Game one, Lindholm early on the power play. So it's a power play goal. Gaudreau, well, that Kachuk, low high, boom, boom. Right? And then they took that away the entire series. Yeah, it wasn't there Five anymore. minutes into game one, Lindholm scores that. Like, bang, oh, bang into oh, the Oh, yeah, this guy scores from there. We remember now. That's like, where he scores And from. bonus said after game one, we got to tighten some things up. We, 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 there's some space on the power play we got to find, and on the penalty kill, we got to take away what they like to yeah. So game one, that's the only goal you get from Lindholm. 
Game two, you didn't score. Game three, Lewis on that rebound after huge traffic. After Lucic goes over the top of the crease, uh, Lindholm gets his second. I'm trying to recall how that one went in. Similar slot. Similar slot. Then Johnny they, behind uh, the net centers, I think. Is yeah. that right? So then you go to game number four. R- Rasmus Anderson, a five on three howitzer top shelf bar and in. Goudreau on a penalty shot, then an empty netter. Uh, Backland in game, uh, so that's the Manjapani through the seam, kind of the two defensive. deflection, yeah. Then Manjapani's shot is a perfect shot, Mm -hmm. and then an empty netter, and then you go. In Dallas, not much there. To Dallas, Michael Stone, back door. I mean, they had to be absolutely perfect plays or breakdowns of the defense of the Dallas Stars. And the fact that you can summarize all the Calgary Flames goals in that short a period of time, and yep, pretty good goal. That's two weeks in that money there. The only thing I felt like last night, and it was to the Flames' advantage, because the Dallas Stars did such a great job of taking away the slot and protecting and defending low, man, it was very easy for the Calgary Flames to get the middle of the ice up on the blue line last night, whether it was the high forward, whether it was the defensemen. Mm-hmm. And these are not your best puck-moving defensemen. Like, those guys did a great job last night, but Michael Stone, Gabranson, Zadorov. And it helped keep their cycle alive. They got shots through. Shots were blocked. They were also able to put pucks back to the half wall, put pucks low. And just those, those long or longer sets in the, in the Dallas zone. Sustained shifts, right? It, it Offensive just zone eventually time. wears them down. And I just liked what I saw, low to high, high to low. Just the mixture again last night. You're like, it has to go their way. It just They're felt doing like doing so many things yeah. right. They're playing the game the right way. To me, it almost felt like, well, now you're in game seven and period two, period three. You're running out of time to wear them down now. This is this this is the series. Well, if like anyone's played, getting worn down, it's the result of the last two right? weeks at this point. Like, like you've it, played so well and have forced the issue so hard for the lion's share of this series, and they're still hanging in there. And then at the other end. Robertson on that power play puts it off the crossbar. In the third period, Haskinen has two goal posts. The breakaway save, you heard it in the Pinder report there on uh, on Peterson. Pavelski has a chance in overtime. And oh, Markstrom's going, oh. to his, going to his left and <laughs> just gets the blocker out. As soon as he saw Pavelski, it's like, you're going to do it, aren't you? You little bastard. I almost closed my eyes on that one, too. And I know my pal beside me was closing his eyes because I had to give him the play-by-play all night. But... That one, number 16 gets it, and you're like, not this guy. No. Markstrom has a 1.53 goals against, a 943 save percentage, allowed 11 goals in seven games, and was the second best goalie in the series. <laughs> of all the things we've talked about today, yep. we've hardly talked about Markstrom, and he had to be brilliant and was. Best two goalies in round one, probably. Incredible. And some of the toughest games he might have to play in, in, the, in this playoff series was just in his career spurts spurts with no no shots against you're sitting there in your own crease and then some point blank chances and not to discredit the flames like the dallas stars had some nice plays they they earned their opportunities last night too haskin and you talk about him this guy tried to do it on his own last night like he had some unbelievable chances. he snuck in and put some put some pucks just past the top corner like Jacob Markstrom, he saw everything last night. He had to make, you know, you you talk about the saves he had to make, the the little glove hand in early off of that rebound chance. Huge save. Mm-hmm. 
and that's early, and that's that's keeping the game from being what two nothing. Guys, point blank saves in the slot that Pavelski Pavelski save near the end of the game. Yeah, he was he was rock solid. It's his first playoff series in his career where there was fans. The only other one was in the bubble in Edmonton. Markstrom. Yep. Yeah. And you think about the large gaps between action. How hard it must be when you watch large swaths of periods without facing a shot, and then it's a high danger. There was no rhythm, no getting to feel the puck. Um, in a lot of this series, that that is an incredible, incredibly yeah. difficult job. I thought there was going to be, just seeing when they put Sagan, Ben, and Pavelski together, and they had a really good scoring chance. I'm trying to think. It might have been the first period. And I put in my notes, like, this, this could be a problem. Because those are three guys that are just fine in a game seven. They've been there. They've done it. These are the veterans with hints out that you had to get a little bit creative. And and they didn't really stick with it, I guess. The old boys look tired. Like Jamie Ben, there was multiple times in that game where he got caught in his own end, could barely get to the red line to yeah. put one into the flame zone. But I still so dangerous when, when Sagan gets the puck. We've... We've spent a lot of time talking about how Sagan is a shell of his former self, and this isn't these guys are the old the old boys. Man, he nearly scores on that backdoor tap in Pavelski, as we've said. Um, have you ever played, or when you think back, it's kind of putting you on the spot. I'm just thinking of for a guy like Toffoli, who is brought in at the deadline, heralded as a goal scorer. His coach says that oh, this guy's a pure goal scorer. All of that, and then it goes dry. At the worst possible time. Last night was, he had gone 16 without a goal. The one prior to that was into an empty net against Seattle. He had gone 19 games, playoffs and regular season combined with one goal with a goalie in the net. Have you, do you have any experience? And even Kachuk at the same time, he was so invested physically and getting involved in the first two to three games. And then he was so off of his game, and then finally answers. Toffoli and Kachuk were both going to be in the crosshairs for sure if they don't win last night and if they don't win this series. They both come through. Have you been with a guy whose job it is to be a leader, a catalyst offensively, and struggle during the playoffs or when it needs to, when he needs to come through? I'm trying to think offhand. I mean, I obviously had some playoff experiences, but not... I just wonder if there'd be some guy where you could see... His, Man, that's, it's really bugging him. It's really affecting him. Because it had to have been, I would think, for both of those guys. I don't know if, um, like, I'm just, I'm again, trying to rack my brain. For, and it's, you may not. It's a tough one. but And the guys the guys in Tampa, I'm trying to kind of go through those lists and those line up. things went well there, yeah. I feel like, no, I, I, I don't know if I've had someone maybe like that. In, in Toffoli's instance, He's getting chances. That was that was a great thing for him this whole series long. Like he's it wasn't wasn't for lack of opportunities. So it was nice to see finally. And yeah. and for Matthew Kachuk, he had a night like maybe too physical at the start of the series, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, Where's the offense? Where's Matthew? Start wondering about his health. You see him looking at his hand. Every, after everyone game two. that was a big topic of conversation before last night's game. Mm-hmm. So to see these guys be big catalysts last night but again boomer i don't i don't know because it, it's weird in a, in a playoff series or if you go you get to experience more than one round you just it it's kind of night to night it's kind mm-hmm. of series to series like next series it could be someone completely different like the foley might score a pile we had enough chances and, on the power play i think about game three alone he had what like three or four on the back door 
And then it was getting robbed, the outstretched glove of Ottinger in Dallas. Like, on and on, he kept getting robbed. I didn't think he was great in the series, but it's he's the kind of player where if he scores, you don't worry if it's like, well, that back check wasn't great. Like, he's not a great skater. Yeah. That's who he is. I just worried about that line because I thought it was miscast. We talked about it for the last month of the season, and they kept running it out there. And finally, Daryl got to a point in the series where like, I can't do this anymore. And you knew... You know, Daryl knows that yeah, you could always fall back on Manjapani, Coleman, Backlund, and it, it saved the series in my mind. Because in game five, that line gives you your two goals to beat him. And like, how was Backlund the last three games of the series? As good as you've seen him. He's as good as we've seen him. And that was crucial. And how was Toffoli? You actually didn't feel like there was a drop. It might have been better. I thought Yarncrook was phenomenal last night in terms he- of like keeping plays alive, keeping <clears throat> possession, you know, leaving the next line in a really good spot to succeed. Those two, that little switch of Manjapani up a line to Foley down, or Coleman up to Foley down, excuse me, I, th- I thought was a huge, huge component uh, for, for them turning the series around. Obviously, like the goaltending and all that, but that's when Daryl was like, these are my guys. And the 11 and 7 thing was a factor, but lines 2 and 3 finally got sorted. Yeah, Yarncroke just kept getting better and better this whole playoff series. He had a chance last night. Goodness. Yes, he did. And last night, too, the Flames did a better job in the faceoff circle. They won more draws. What happened in Dallas in Game 6? They were 32%. Yarncroke 0 for 12. I was just looking at it here. Went 0 for 12 at the faceoff dot. And then last night comes through 61%, 111 of the Well, and I thought they struggled early last night. Maybe it's just because you're nervous Nelly and they're down or whatever. But I thought they got better as the night went on in the face-off. It felt like in the first period they couldn't win a face-off for their life. Yeah, 68% Dallas in that that game six. It's like, what's happened here? What did... I understand you're at home and things you get lineup change or you get last change, but my my goodness. And that led that led to a lot of the kind of scrambling plays and disorganization. I don't know if that's a word. Unorganization of the Calgary Flames. Like that was probably the most holes the Calgary Flames had in them was that game six. And it, it was had, not an inspiring it, performance. It, it had Stars were good. Flames yeah. weren't great. And and there was a lot of doubts coming out of it. You also lost Hannah. If he went down the tunnel, didn't come back. You wondered about the Zadorov hit. Yeah. And Ottinger, again, did not shrink at all or blink. I was really impressed last night, too, with, with the Flames. As much as we talk about how Ottinger was getting tired, maybe some of the top players and the Stars were getting tired, the Calgary Flames, they had jumped from the beginning of that game, and it did not relent throughout the whole game and to take it to a team like I thought they did for that long past 60 minutes like that's not easy to do usually you get sometimes you get to overtime and things will start to drag whether the crowd had something to do with that and picking their team up or whether it's back to Daryl and what these guys are talking about their conditioning this year it's at a different level but they just from the start of the game right through to the end like the Calgary Flames they they didn't they didn't bat an eye and that consistency, that whole series, except for maybe a little bit in game six, is another reason why they're they're moving on. Physically, you're right. And mentally was the biggest thing for me because what Daryl talked about, being comfortable with the process, how easy is it to abandon that when you're one shot away from your season being over versus moving on? They looked like once they got through the opening couple-minute jitters of overtime, they just went right back to what they were doing. Yeah, And you heard them post-game, and there was a belief that – it's not if, it's just when. So if, if we have to play three or four overtimes, so be it. We're out chancing them. we got the puck all night. It's going to happen. And that belief in and comfortability in those close games is what Daryl's been preaching and teaching all year. And that's the mental thing, and we'll get to a break here. More with uh, Sarge coming up. We're in hour number two. 
when in, with a game like last night, there's where I sit, and then there's where if you're where they have to be in that locker room or on the bench. I sit and watch and feel like it's just never going to happen. If you're getting this many chances, it's just not it's not your night. The guys just got your number. And on the flip side, if you're if you're a pro, we're all over them. We've got this. It's just a matter of time. He cannot stop all of these. We have too much pressure. We will not be denied. And I, you know, we'll talk about it. Would this team have won that game a year ago or two years ago or this series? I think the 18-19 team's done there because they it didn't work in games two and three and they panicked and tried to switch on the fly and they didn't stick with the process. Now, the process probably wasn't as good as this year's squad in terms of structure and the ability to translate to regular season success to playoff, but I think a lot of teams, not just flames of years past, they, they would not have the wherewithal to stay with it. We'll get into that and some other individual performances when we come back. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. you got to be mentally tough. You want to go, you want to make the playoffs, you want to win four games, you want to play seven games, that's the way it works. It's a process, you got to learn it, figure it out. Yeah, we deserve to win. Took a hundred and some shots. If we lost you, you'd been, I know what you'd have been saying, so we deserve to win. Questions and answers, we deserve to win. Took a hundred and one shots, you know, a hundred and some shots. Yeah, it did. Was it over 125 shot attempts? The uh, shots on net 67. They missed 35. 134 shot attempts. And then uh, <laughs> Dallas blocked 32 more of them. So yeah, it adds up in a hurry. Flames win by a score of 3-2. to two. In overtime, Johnny Gaudreau's second of the postseason, the difference. Uh, and appropriate that uh, ACDC, I understand they had a, did ACDC have a, a hand in the win last night? Oh, they, they played a lot of ACDC in overtime. They knew it. You knew it too, didn't you? Oh, I knew it. I threw on the shirt underneath the jersey. Oh, is that right? Before I went to the Dome, I'm like, we're going to have to pull out all, all the stops tonight. <laughs> we're going to need it all. You need double luck. That's right. I don't know whoever's running the music down there at the Dome. Keep it up. They had the Crystal Clear Gravy song coming out for overtime. I was losing my mind. Goosebumps. Let's go. <laughs> Crystal hey Clear Gravy. You know what I'm talking Crystal, about. Yes. Right now. Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Van Halen. But Van Hagar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Van Hagar. Crystal Gravy. It's first we've heard of them all. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, well, hey, you, you know what? Hi, Pat. How you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, hey Pat. How did you enjoy the game? Oh, well, it was just amazing. Oh, it was lovely for my couch. This is what we've been talking about for years, Dean. If they could just get a, you know, get into the playoffs and give us a moment. Give us a moment. And, like, are we all dying five years younger now? I think so. But it was probably worth so it. So good. Yeah. Oof. So good. We had some moments between the Ottinger saves and a Manjapani goal and a Gaudreau. You had it all. Overtime game seven. You don't really need to say more than that, do you? No. That's as good as it gets, period, stop in sport. Yeah. Fairly fitting. And you're either going out of there. One shot. Like we did, or the other way. Now, when you say like we did, you're talking Tampa game 604. Are you talking about you exiting last night? No, us high exiting, strangers. Us exiting <laughs> last night. Hi, Corey. <laughs> Come here. Give me a hug, you. <laughs> um, What were we discussing? I, I guess just well, this, the ACDC this team. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Huge news. And again, it's there's no 
there's no yes or no or absolutely correct answer. But do you? It just feels like with how the Flames had to fight the ups and the downs, the momentum swings, and the frustration of playing against a team where you should be beating them on a near nightly basis. You weren't great in six, but along the way, the series could have easily been done in your favor before a game seven, but it took to overtime of game seven to stick with it and not cheat. Don't get selfish. Don't just, just do it. Are you, are right? you like, I don't think they do it last year and I know they don't do it in 1819. Are you not impressed? You talk about frustration. And I'm sure internally, and we just talked about Toffoli, maybe being frustrated, Kachuk, they're not, they're there to put pucks in the net. But what about, what about what you actually see from the outside looking in? Did you see frustration? Did you see guys that were down? Did you see guys that didn't think they were going to win? Which I feel you would have got a sense of that in years past. No, this was a team that trusted in their process that believes the guy in charge that worked all year in breaking these guys down so that they would believe in themselves. And then you have an experience like that last night. You're put to the ultimate test, taken all the way, run into the hottest goalie in the game, and you get the result you want. Do you want to know what that does for a group mentally? In, in solidifying mm -hmm. everything that you've been working towards. Like Those are the steps that can potentially change guys' careers, that can potentially change, yeah, like it, it's... Think it's, of the offseason here if they lose really last cool. night. I'm sorry. It's a total, it completely changes the story of the offseason. It does. But and they didn't. Nope. But, but they just, did. It shows you how big that moment is, right? One bounce of the puck, different outcomes, maybe charts your franchise on a different course. It also tells you how crazy the whole business is. Yes, this tournament is nuts. We keep saying it. Like we'll talk to Corey or sorry to Nick Kiprios coming up in in hour three. Speaking of crazy, right? They're one shot, one bounce, more or less away from seeing the Leafs getting all the baggage gone, all the demons, everything gone. Leafs go to round two, except they didn't. So they're still there. So break it up, tear it down, fire everybody. Two or three pucks go a different way. Uh, no, look, they've finally done it. This is actually the team that can have the mental fortitude to win. So if Peterson scores on a breakaway, or if the, the shot goes off of the post and in instead of off the post and out, does it change who Gaudreau is or Kachuk is or what the team is? I, it, it, the answer is no, it doesn't. Just changes the narrative and what we talk about. That's all it changes. But is that, is that how you, you look at sport? Can you evaluate sports that way? Or is it the ultimate results-driven business? I don't know. Yeah, you, ha you have to get the results. Without, without that, it doesn't matter. So in Toronto, what do you see there? Well, in Toronto, if I'm comparing Toronto and the Calgary Flames and I go to try to poke holes in either goaltending, can maybe poke a slight hole in Toronto, but I think that's magnified because the biggest hole in Toronto's game is their defense. They don't defend like the Calgary Flames. And I guess it's different because it's not a one-year thing. It's five years. It's the history running. in Toronto the that's the problem. And I'm sorry, Dallas is not Tampa. Dallas's best forward ain't close to Tampa's best three. Just is what it is. Rope Hintz had a nice series. Didn't see a lot of them. Meaning so a failure here for the Flames where, would where have was, been Well, more... meaning that, that Toronto was up against a much more difficult opponent. 
Tampa's arguably got the best goaltender in the world. You can make a case for Victor Hedman if you're going to say, I want to build around oh, a guy yeah. for 10 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And the three forwards, they got Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos. Like, n- none of Dallas's best players come close to that. Sure, in their primes, Ben and Sagan, maybe. Maybe down the road with Robertson. Not now. Like, for all the, oh, look, the Flames won in Toronto. Didn't. Toronto had a way more difficult opponent. Now, that said, Dallas had the best goaltender and the best player in round one. I was going to say. But I just think you cannot escape the Toronto, oh, these guys are a bunch of losers, they can't do it, without giving credit to maybe the greatest team we'll see in our lives. If they could win a cup this year, that's three in a row in the cap era. No one's ever done that. That's a legit dynasty in sport. Vasilevsky had an 897 save percentage in round one over seven games. He wasn't at his best. Except when they lost, the next game he was. Yeah, they bounced back, man. Anyway, um, so about the Flames. Yeah, we have... have, We'll uh, talk to Kiprios in hour three, coming up at about 8.30 or so. The the playoffs are great because... Like for Johnny Gaudreau to score the overtime winner, that's probably who you'd have picked. So pick your over. Well, let's go with Gaudreau. He's been all over the series and all over tonight, and he can score. Um, Michael Stone is a story, isn't he? In this series, you didn't think if if we told you that he'd be in the series, you'd be what possibly has happened? And how many games did the Flames lose in? Last <laughs> night, twenty-one minutes and thirty seconds. Another assist. He led the the defense in scoring. He had uh, three points in four games. Despite not playing in how many? That's of them? correct. Three? Yes. Didn't play in the first three of the series. And, and I guess if you if you had said it's 11 and seven and we're spotting him in and out, okay. But you tell me he's over 20 minutes, panic. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because that means you're missing someone important. And and you were last night. And then Shillington left for a, for a bit and it was. This is going to be a steady diet of good Branson and Zadorov and Stone in a one-goal hockey game. Good, goodness gracious, goodness gracious! But then Shillington comes back. That shoulder—I mean, not sure how. But he—he he did it to himself again. I know he did. Like he skated he himself into that pickle. He keeps falling down. Why is he falling down so much? But anyway, back to Michael Stone. You—we talked about him a week ago, and you can't help. You, you got to give him credit again because he stepped in. He's on the power play. He's killing penalty. He's doing it all for them. And you play 82 games of a regular season. That's a big ask. You play a handful in the regular season, even more so. It's just another one of those neat things, those kind of fun things that happen when you go on a playoff run where we, we remember Mike Commodore. You ask people, oh, really? Commodore, the red hair, the whole thing. Yeah, how many games did he play for the Flames? No, hardly any, really, when you're going back and look played at it. Played more in the playoffs that year than he ever for did. the whole run, right? basically. That was how that went. And and now for Stone, he jumped in. And I know for you, being a defense-first defenseman, must have been uh, awfully proud watching a guy like that dig in. I was less concerned after the previous game, about 26, as I was 58. Yep. I was like, when it comes to their end, I don't really worry about him. And it's very impressive at how easy he made it look. Like, again, sitting there chatting with my pal Slade beside me, he's like, like he, he, he has hardly played. Is your timing not going to be off? Are you not going to feel like garbage out there? Like you don't have your legs under you? All of a sudden it's at another level. He's like, he's making it look easy. I'm like, I know. Like, how does this guy do it? And I don't know what level of respect there is for Michael Stone in that dressing, but it's got to be pretty high for a guy who 
puts up with what he's put up with the last few years and just being like just that piece and knows his role, but now being thrust in like this and to do the job that he did, like that, that's pretty impressive to have a piece like that in your locker room. Well, and it tells you about the human. You don't keep anyone but great humans in a spot like that. And it's why some guys can be career backups playing 10 games a year for a decade and a half and other guys get one shot at it. You, If, if you're going to be around all the time and never playing, that's a spot where most people get squirrely and aren't, you know, nice to be around. Darren Rumble. He was our man. Explain. Good guy, great human being. Went almost a whole season, like hardly playing any games, but when you had to throw him in, he just, he had enough savvy... Good player, didn't shoot the puck like Michael Stone. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> but, you know, he's like, you got to have, I, like, I'm just thinking of a guy off the top of my head. You got to have pieces like that. There once was, a, there was a point, though, and this is back to Tampa, where we thought we were going to have to put Rums in because Boiler, Dan Boyle, was, you know, our top, one of our top, if not our top defensemen, was not in good shape. And Boiler's the kind of guy, little, like, little bit mentally like things would about he had he had a couple of injuries like i don't know if i can go i don't know if i can go mm. rums was so nervous because he hadn't played in so long mm. he's like i remember them having a conversation in the shower after like morning skate he's like boiler you're playing tonight right boiler's like i don't know he's like no 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 you are playing tonight i am not going in i i you, no it's no question and there's no way that Rums was playing that night. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how he got to Boiler eventually, but he went in and played because it had just been honestly too long. And you could say that about Michael Stone this year. Oh, God, like, how is he going in and do this? But it's incredible the way that he's come in out of the, the freezer and just looked like a guy that's been a regular all year, like months between games, months. Like there's guys that miss a week or two weeks for an injury and come back and don't. Don't look like that. So credit to him. So what did he play? 11 regular season games? And a bunch of those down the stretch where I think they were probably trying to get guys a little extra rest. Good Branson didn't play a ton down the stretch. He played October 28th, then not again until December the 5th, then not again until March. He played (laughs) back-to-back games. I think that was when Shillington went down. Yeah. Yeah. Played March 12th and 13th. Played his offside on the second pair. No big deal. Welcome back after three months. <laughs> and then got into a few games. Daryl Daryl would have got him into a few games like down the for, stretch. For this very reason. Like you're gonna you're gonna have, probably have an injury. Someone's gonna go down. We gotta get him at least a few. Played in the last game against Winnipeg, the back to uh, the home and home with Seattle, the LA road trip, but still played in eleven regular season games. And the other part of it is too. Is not just how do you keep your your head. It would be easy, I would think, when you're, you have to probably feel like you're in the later part of your career. You're on the back end where you're no longer a sought after free. You're just not. You're just you're a PTO guy, and you're not getting in. And it's a career. Am I getting a deal next year? This might be my last year. To stay in, stick with your diet, stick with your training. You you can't feel like you're part of the team. You skate before they do. You, you, you're you shuttled in and around. You, and I know with, with how Daryl was, at least in the past, if you weren't of the group. Dude, he was a taxi squad guy last year. You need to, you Went practice, to get your training done before the guys show up and then get out. 
I, I spent I spent some time in that role in my last year or two in Calgary. Like, you know, kind of the guy that was not always in the lineup, maybe not to the extent of Michael Stone this year. Like it was I was probably more frequent than him. You're actually for the amount of bag skating that you do and working out that you do, you're actually in phenomenal physical shape. No, but no injuries. But it's the but it's the it's the game timing. You're not in game shape. Like you're not in I can like Michael Stone, probably a lot better skater than I ever was. But like for me, it was such a struggle just to come in and be up to speed. And he hasn't had that. But as far as conditioning, he's probably in better condition, just lung capacity and whatever from how many workouts, unfortunately, yeah, you have yeah. to do and how many bag skates. And you're, you're skating, you're skating more than the guys on the ice just not those in-game minutes. His last four seasons, AHL and NHL combined, less than 82 games. That's crazy. That's almost a half decade. No, he had the blood clots yeah, in yeah. there. Yeah. He got bought out. Then Valimaki gets hurt. He signs again. Then PTO, taxi squad. But it's a rare human to be able to pull off that feat where you, you think about 82 games he played five years ago, and since then he's played 70-something. Four seasons been great how did you feel when uh the fourth line came on because i know in tight hockey games playoff games you kind of take a deep breath and you hold your breath until they get off again what did you see because richie comes back in noticed him he was richie he was hitting things right lewis lucic and richie richie had a chance there offensively a pretty good one and it kind of it's a hand, handcuff a guy, right? Well, didn't not really, really happen. Anymore, <laughs> ever. It, I don't know. They they gave you good minutes. They didn't give you a lot last night, and there were times where they had to, like, they weren't on the ice for long periods of time. So they did a nice job with the ice time that they did get. Uh, I thought Lucic did a good job at, like, again managing the puck, getting it into spaces, and they just they spent some more zone time, like more offensive zone time than defensive zone time. So. Anytime you can do that, that's those are good minutes for that line. But I don't know. It wasn't either way. It wasn't really one way or the other. I liked just, him late in the third. They they left some shifts for the next group in the right end of the rink. Yeah. They started in their own. Lucic had a great chance. They grinded the walls. And I think what you described as like a fear about the fourth line out there, it's usually because your fourth line has got some guys that aren't great defensively. Those three are pretty darn good. Like, is Luch super nimble? No. Are the hands real good? No. But does he know where to be? Yeah. Like, how's Lewis defensively? Superb. Like, there's not a lot of offense, but that is that is an elite eraser in the defensive zone. And Brett Ritchie's a similar thing. He's going to run into guys and get the puck out at the line. I was, so I yeah. wasn't worried about them. And when you look at the Flames, the way that Daryl and Brad have built this team, there isn't a pair or a line where you're like, ooh, I'm worried about these guys defensively. It's the one thing you have to do to play for Daryl. You've got to be good defensively. Every line, every pair. Do you think that Luch has changed his game a little bit? Like I feel like maybe early in the season or even in previous seasons, looking to generate a little more offense, like leaving the zone, trying to but I, I feel like he he's, I think he got to ten right or nine right quick and finished at ten this year, didn't he? Like he he was playing third line role for a lot of the year. They add Yarn Croak, they add uh, to Foley, obviously, and now he's a fourth liner. So I, I, maybe that is the change. But I, I feel like I feel like he kind of the knock against him was always half wall leaving the zone. There was those few plays that would get away and get out, sneak out into the middle, just because he's looking to like transition to offense. But I think 
maybe in his role now and with the guys he's playing with, they, he's probably changed his mindset a little bit. It's like it's more puck management. It's more we've got to work this puck down the ice to get it to a spot to put in those good minutes, just like you're talking about, to set up the next line that's going. And it's not so much like I need to contribute and still be part of the score sheet. Like I think he's done a nice job in accepting his role. And a lot of those, a few of those kind of not blunders, but mistakes that he would make in that his own blue line to red line space. I haven't seen those, which is a great thing. Is it simple? And I think this time of year, it's straight lines. They know what the stakes are. You don't have to tell Milan about, you know, I guess managing the puck this time of year, do you? And I was just looking at their shifts. It was pretty much a steady through the third period. You get to the overtime. They kind of missed where you had the power play when Sagan was in the box, Mm -hmm. but they were out two shifts prior to the winner. And the only reason I bring it up is because you kind of, oh, here we go, fourth line. It's like, oh, you know what? Don't mind it. Good job, man. Grind them. Well done. There's there's 45 seconds to a minute of... Co- and they're not hemmed in. I nope. mean, Dallas really didn't have a lot of hemmed the flames in shifts in the whole series, never mind last night. Oh, flames, flames breakouts and transition last night were spot on. And you think about that line and its role moving into the next series... When you go up against the, an Edmonton team, I think a guy like Lucic is going to be an interesting guy to watch. Well, and I will say this. The element of speed that McDavid brings is going to be an entirely new challenge for this decor. If you have to play Michael Stone a lot and Goodbranson and Zadorov a lot, the like who knows where Chris Tanev's at. It's the time of year we're not going to hear anything. We're just going to find out on Wednesday whether he's playing or not. Yeah, people are texting. What there's We'll have no info. No, and then, like, you might see over. him skate. You might not. They're not at the helm. Uh, no, and and like they didn't—they're not even saying upper lower. They're just saying undisclosed, which you know is crazy that you can gamble on the sport and they won't tell you that. But whatever—that's the bigger picture topic for the commissioner in the off season. But that is going to be a great challenge for this group because they're structurally very, very good. But there's one guy that cracks the code because he can skate at like 50 miles an hour while stick handling at full speed. It's—you could play a perfect game against the Oilers and lose because the best player on planet Earth goes berserk. And did you see him in game six and seven? Berserk. The last 10 minutes of game five, going to that towards the... uh, That's right, to force overtime overtime against LA, yeah. In Edmonton. The last 10 minutes of of game five, and then six and seven. The last 130 minutes, he's been unconscious. He He is the scariest human on skates. He, He causes so much grief, like the goal he set up. Um, in that last game, he just he beats someone. He gets near the back of the net. All panic sets in. Someone's going to help someone else, and then break just down. Everybody else is wide open. Like it, it is, it is crazy the the panic that happens. And it happened multiple times for that Kings D, where mm-hmm. he just put them in the spin cycle. And it's, it's it's we don't know how this is ending. I I've lost a stick. I've fallen down. I, I can't chase him anymore. I'm out of gas. Now he's circled the net, and someone's wide open on the back door. Oh, it's the 55 goal score. Yeah. So I mean, that's a conversation for tomorrow and the day after. Yeah, but still, it's so essentially. Long story short, your depth guys against Dallas, you weren't worried about defensively. We'll see if that holds up in round two. Structure is there. I wonder about the feet now because it's Connor. He made Norris Trophy Giordano look like a pylon, like peak and, Giordano. And is there is there still remnants from the Avalanche series where you had to deal with Nate McKinnon, who was a 
world beater. And that was who, one of the biggest elements of surprise for the Flames is the speed the Avs played with that series. Well, I, think. I, I said it. I came into the league. I played in with Nathan McKinnon his rookie season. I thought I'd never see a human faster with the puck than this kid and faster hands and faster fast twitch and whatever you want to call it. And then there's number 97, and I never played against him. But, man, is it a handful. It's probably one, two in the league, right? Well, and right now he can, is and can do it all himself. Right, that they came back from a series deficit is pretty much all of his doing. The Germans laboring, he's playing through serious something. High ankle is what they're saying. And just you can tell the way he's getting around the ice, it ain't easy, but he can still finish. So, you know, last change, you talk about home ice. The crowds are gonna be bonkers in both Insane. buildings. For for Daryl and the and the staff, that's gonna be who's going up on that McDavid line. Is it Lewis does Lewis jump back up? In home games for the Flames to the, with uh, with Coleman and well, Backlund or put that line together, Mench, Panny, Backlund, Coleman. If you give a steady diet of that line to McDavid and you have another group ready to go, either way, it's going to take more than one person, one line. That is what's waiting: is the Battle of Alberta, and Oof. there's a almost a generation of fans who have heard all about it, and their dads and grandpas and everybody's told them how great it was. And now you get to see it for yourself starting on Wednesday at the Dome. So where were you 31 years ago? That's probably the best way to place context on it. 1991 was the last time these two teams played. Corey? I was still cheering for the Montreal Canadiens. Brainwashed. How old are you? What are you doing? Well, I'm 12 years old. Wayne Gretzky's in L.A. I'm watching him. You're good He's at hockey good yet? This, the Sarich kid's going to be good? Is that what people are not, saying yet or no? No, not really. <laughs> not really paying attention to Edmonton and Calgary. I I knew, I, I probably watched more of Calgary than I did Edmonton back in those days because they played the Canadians in the 86 finals, which was kind of my first introduction to hockey, Patrick Waugh. And then, you know, in 89, finally got revenge. And that was a pretty fun Calgary Flames team to watch. But, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty young back then. You didn't have the exposure like we did. Like, I'm reading the newspaper out in Saskatchewan and getting what I get on Hockey Night in Canada on CBC. Waiting for the that, hockey news to see lines. It. That's yeah, all that's I right. knew about the Battle of Alberta. Mm-hmm. And, again, Wayne Gretzky was gone in 1991. So that shifted a little focus as well. 1991, Dean. I would be in small-town Manitoba. Driving my 1980 Olds Cutlass, probably with White Snake in my Alpine tape deck. Blasting. Yeah, not old enough to drink yet. Cassettes. Yeah. Pre CDs. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Way pre. David yeah. Coverdale. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Uh, that or I still probably that or some some country. It'd be a mix of Guns and Roses and Warrant and George Strait and Garth Brooks. Good times, mind you, but yeah, it's that's it's a good lineup. But but you, but you say a generation uh, misses it, like it's 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 almost more than a generation. We're talking thirty-one years. There's a lot. How yeah. old do you have to be to like have lived that series? You probably have to be in your fifties. Forty. No, I mean, if you're nine watching, but to go to the game and have a beer, how old are you now? That's crazy, right? Yeah, like look. that's like you're you're forty-nine if you were drinking age that year. Thirty-one years ago. This will be the sixth time that they've met. Oilers are four and one through the first five iterations. And Messi was there for all of them. It's a while ago. 
Pinder, you didn't give it to us. Where were you? 91. I was nine. I have no idea. <laughs> like, I, I, what grade am I in? I've, yeah, no idea. We will talk to Nick Kiprios in hour three. The Leafs are in the process of finding out how it happened and what you do now. Round number two begins tomorrow. We'll look back on our round one picks. We had those predictions. We'll see who is so smart, just so brilliant when we come back. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.